Hello and welcome to Revise, Rebut and Resubmit, a podcast that explores early career researchers' experiences in publishing their first academic paper and which celebrates this important milestone. My name is Jennifer Fitchett and I'm an Associate Professor of Physical Geography, an avid science communicator and a still relatively young academic with a passion for breaking down the barriers and unnecessary mysticism in the publication process. Each episode, I interview a new person on their journey in writing, revising, rebutting, resubmitting, and having their first academic paper published. This podcast is very kindly supported by the DSI-NRF Center of Excellence for Paleosciences. Dr. Jagan Jade is a postdoctoral fellow at the Evolutionary Studies Institute at the University of the Witwatersrand, working on a project entitled Cooperation and Group-Level Behavior Recorded from the Earliest Microfossils on Earth. He completed his PhD at the University of Johannesburg, exploring Archean rock record of the Singbrum Crater in India, from which his first academic paper was published in the journal Precambrian Research. It's very exciting to have somebody who's working on some of our earliest rocks that are discovered and being analyzed on Earth. So a very, very warm welcome to you, Jagan Moy, and thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Jennifer. It's my pleasure, and I... Thank you, and also Christina for having me with you in this podcast. Yes. And it's my pleasure. Really so wonderful to be meeting new people and doing such fantastic work in areas that we really seldom get to encounter. So for people who are not familiar with some of, of the records that are emerging from particularly the Archean, but yeah. also who perhaps um, aren't even paleoscientists themselves, I wonder if yes. you can just give us a broad overview of this first paper that you published in Precambrian Research and tell us what you were looking at and how you went about doing that. Yes, so this paper basically revolves around the basic idea of finding an age for this kind of rocks. I mean, you would want to, first of all, get to the point to know the rocks, exactly what age they are of. And that's the kind of a title, like 2.51 GA, which is in billion years, felsic volcanic rocks and associated carbonaceous church. So the idea was to see what kind of rocks they are there and what exactly they host in terms of, you know, futuristic plans for astrobiological work to be conducted in this area. The took us some, you know, bit of uh, a lot of field trip. And so the idea was to see where and how they fit in the whole stratigraphy of this area. And basically the question was how in this, so this Breton is known as the Singum Breton, as we have the Kapval Breton of Southern Africa. So India has a lot of Bretons and many of those are studied, but the Singum was missing a lot of information in terms of the age perspective. So these rocks were really lacking that age constraint and not many people knew what age these rocks are of. So my supervisor, Axel, and myself, we were in the field. We did a lot of field trips in different parts of Singhu. And this happened to be one of those projects, which it's not actually one of my PhD work. So it was done on the side of my PhD. And so we wanted to see if these rocks really host something you know, exceptional in terms of what we were actually looking for. And so if you ask me what kind of context this uh, whole project was that I was working for my PhD, it was more revolving around you know, geobiological aspects of the Archean and 
rock record from India and also comparison with those from South Africa. So practically when my first years passed on and then the second, third year, so we had different papers to be written up, but <laughs> nothing happened from the main uh, project. It was all this one, because this one was a quick paper that I can get this one out. And I, it was like, we had this invite from Precambian Research itself. And uh, we thought, okay, it's a special volume on Singhum. And since people would always want to know what kind of an age you have in that part of the Criton. So we wanted to study and we wanted to actually publish our results for people to understand that, okay, there are these kind of rocks here exposed in the Singhum. And yes, there are also some carbonaceous charts, which may be targeted in the future for some astrobiological research point of view. So yeah, it was all of that. And it, it involved a lot of field geology. Then there was a lot of geochronology involved. And there was a lot of early life related discussion and kind of story, which was fitted into this whole paper. But yeah, that's... That's what I can say for this paper, yes. What an exciting first paper to have published, particularly because it wasn't the primary piece of work that you were doing for your PhD. I think it takes so much pressure off us to know that we are doing work on the side and that it isn't this key contribution to something that's going to be examined and something that our degree is going to hang on, that those are really the enjoyable papers that we write and the ones that allow us to build a confidence and build an enthusiasm in science. So really fantastic that you had that opportunity to do something that wasn't completely in line and that the time that you then spend on it, of course, does build your CV and it builds your, your name within the science, but it also allows you that chance to really dip your toes, so to say, in, in the writing process. Yeah, it was, it is still like uh, one of those, uh, I mean, prior to my PhD, I have had experience of writing scientific papers. And of course those were in-house because I work for an oil industry and then they don't really want to share much of the information. So to the outside you know, fraternity, so much of the information was kept for whatever publications we had. We had an in-house publication. So I basically published there quite a lot on foraminiferal work and other related stuff on biostatigraphy, but this, really was something which was my first scientific paper and uh, like you mentioned that this uh, like we have discussed so far that this came out of out of nowhere basically because i still have uh, two papers one is under revision and then the other is very soon i will communicate that too with precambian research and uh, talking about all of this gives me some kind of a very nice experience because the first paper i never thought it would I would get it with Precambian in the first place because I thought that maybe I can target something more regional, you know, like a local journal for a very speedy process or uh, things like that, because it was just to get a PhD and a paper with a thesis in place. The, the revisions and then the reviews were very positive. So I took it in a very positive mood. My supervisor was very helpful and yeah, we, we got this paper out in Precambian, which has a very good impact factor. Yeah, it's absolutely. close to five in geology. So it was, I, I'm very, I was very excited when it got published. No, it so, is yeah. very exciting and, and congratulations. And Thank as you, you said, it's, it's really amazing to have the opportunity of a special issue because it means that work that you do think perhaps is better suited to a regional journal 
really has this opportunity to go into one of these top journals and for you to have the experience of going through the review process in a top international journal, but where everyone is expecting work that is regional in nature. And I think that really does create a very strong foundation for you to be able to write your first paper because your reviewers will be aware of the fact that this is a special issue, that it is supposed to be focused on one particular region. They'd be, in most cases, very familiar with the types of methodologies that you're using. And so a lot of the challenges that I think we face in the review process is around things like the suitability of fit to a particular journal or whether or not the message of your paper is internationally relevant enough or perhaps the approach that you've taken and whether or not they deem that to be acceptable. And so I've heard before in interviews on this podcast just what a wonderful environment a special issue is and really great when they are inviting papers that include early career researchers and papers that allow you that chance to start to really get a sense of the academic writing space. Yes, absolutely. I mean, for this, I was the first author and I had to go through a lot of uh, process to get this write-up in place because I initially thought of just putting the age constraint and just getting this paper out with the age of these rocks. But the other plan was also to get the geo geothermometry to be done. So then they were like, so this is an interesting fact that the editor, so they, they were also guest editors. And then there was original editor from Picambian Research itself. And um, so actually the guest editor, he invited three reviewers. And uh, so all of them were like experts of their own respective field because I had like a paper which had to be to gone to different people because of the different fields that were involved. And eventually the guest editor himself, he became another reviewer. So basically I had to do four reviews wow. and it was like a lot of tedious thing like involved because you have one person asking you jobs for Raman spectroscopy, then the other asking for uh, something related to sedimentology. Then there was somebody asking for like a, like a global international relationship of India, Australia and South Africa involved. Then the guest editor who is, you know, like an expert of Indian context on geology of the Simum Creton himself. He was asking me of the Indian geology and then also the involvement of ages and geochronology. So yeah, it involved like a lot of review process, but the good part was that as in, as I as you mentioned that it's a it's a good process for somebody like us uh, like me to be involved in a very reputed journal and the process was so tedious. I think it gives you like an edge to think over publication processes. Now when I write, I already have this vision to think, to conceptualize, and then to put things in place or in order to make it more you know, less vulnerable for more top-notch journals. And uh, the fact that you have all these reviewers involved, and then also I have a German supervisor. So, you know, you make things, they make sure that you, you put the best of the best effort so that your paper at least do not go through rejection in the first place. So in the first, I think the first time the paper went, it was an acceptance and three reviewers, they said, yes, it can be accepted with minor to moderate revisions. So I was very excited, but the guest editor came up with more and more and more suggestions <laughs> as in the paper ended up. Well, which was also kind of 
more improvement on the paper, but it was required. And then, yeah, we talked through the process that the three reviewers, they were happy, the guest editor was happy. And then I think the editor overall, he's, he accept, she accepted. So it was like a very nice all in all uh, story to <laughs> finally come up with. And I'm very happy that this, I wish and I hope really that for young researchers to have this kind of, an, I mean, maybe they will have different experience, but I've always heard of this experience that when you have a rejection, then you get into those loop and spirals of, you know, not getting out of that space or you have that, you know, that headspace of people or scientists always asking questions which you are not in the context or you don't want to address in that paper because you'll have follow-up papers. So yeah, I thankfully I, I did not have any of that. And yeah, I did also, we actually, the uh, co-authors and we did put to actually counter all of those reviews. And yeah, we did say things that were manageable for this paper to get out. So I think it's very important for early career researchers to, you know, to be able to have the first paper out in a very decent way. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Yes, agreed. I agree with you completely. I've always encouraged my students to submit their work to the highest impact journal in their particular field. And I say to them, let's draw up a list of what the top journal is, and then another three or so journals, because we might get rejected, we might be aiming too high, mm -hmm. but we don't know until we try. And if you start at the bottom of the list, there's no way to move. But if you start right at the top, maybe you'll get in. And that's what happened with you and Precambrian Research. But even if you end up submitting it to the next one on your list, it's probably still a very, very strong journal. And you've benefited from all of the reviews that have come in. And of course, mm -hmm. those are frustrating yes. to work through, but they really do improve your paper. So, yes. so the next question I want to ask is because you've mentioned that you worked in the oil industry and, and mm. you did a lot of writing there, but it was internal reports. And how yes. did you find the process of shifting from internal report writing, which is very much in the framework that that particular company is looking for? And as you say, mm. where there are a lot of considerations around issues of confidentiality. And I imagine those are not just in terms of what are you allowed to say externally, but potentially mm. also mm. internal issues of confidentiality. Mm. And moving across into scientific work where we want to disclose as much as possible, we're encouraged to mm. make sure that somebody else can pick up your paper and follow all the same steps and get hopefully to the same answer, but also mm. where there's a very different format and structure and uh, different types of requirements in terms of academic writing language or style and mm. referencing and all of the rest. How different do you find those two different forms of writing and how did you make that shift from the one to the other? It was, there was a lot of nuances with, you know, you have to deal with in the oil industry is that there is a lot of bureaucracy involved because you have not only the biostatigraphy to be sorted, but you have sedimentological lab reports, then you have stratigraphic counterpart. So you have a lot of reports which are combined together and then, then you have like a big report. And so you are a part of a larger team. Right. And then, so basically what my job was to have my own report from my own biostatigraphic area. And then that report was handed over to the senior and then, you know, particular lab head. And then they would review that. Of course, they would come up with their own suggestions and maybe kind of their own considerations. So I got very less suggestions. Most of the time it went through and then they had like things which they invite, like a small meeting and then 
we, we could fix them. And uh, this was much relatively easier. And, you know, when you write those, you don't get through a very stringent peer review process. Like you have your known people and then your colleagues. So you always have a discussion over tea or lunch and then you get it through and then you have the publication maybe in a few months or a few weeks from the time that you write and then you finally submit. So it's rather a more more like a process which you would enjoy in a way that it's not very stringent. Um, okay, the other fact remains still that they don't want this to be out and then maybe there are things which you would always want to keep it in-house. And of course, there are things which uh, different department asks or wants to access your report, then they have to go through all those procedures at, uh, at an office, which is uh, kind of like I mentioned, it's bureaucracy. So, you know, you get through those once you're in the office system. So now once I shifted and I had to choose the PhD, then I already had to write proposal for the PhD. But it was kind enough for my supervisor that he really guided me through the process and of course much of the writing and much of the he did it himself for the fact that we were looking at different perspectives from Sinhum. And so this was a larger project and I was just fitting into one part of the story. Now, then I started to help others also who were starting to join the lab and join my supervisors and the and lab overall. So I started to write and then I saw that there was a big shift and a big change because you really have to keep up with the most recent and updated uh, literature. And then there were also literature that had to be dealt which were like late 1940s and 50s because these are very ancient ancient in terms like they're very old but you really have to know them because there's a lot done by the British Geological Survey which was then the Indian Geological Survey so I really had to go through those reports so old and new combined mix you have to know a lot of those so then you go through a lot of lit literature review and then the second part was again more difficult because you have collaborators here and co-writers who uh, co-authors so sometimes they agree most of the times they would also be with you on the same page but sometimes they would be not with you on the same page maybe because they want something else in this paper to be fixed and which from your perspective you think oh well i did already put whatever was there in the paper to be you know to be published but once you have the co-authors and then there are other people on board in any publication, it's a scientific publication which goes for an international or a national journal. I think then there's a lot at stake also because their names are involved. Then you also want to have the reputation of the universities in. So there's a lot of shifting of gears. And so, yeah, there were also these things in my mind when I wrote the first paper because my supervisor is very well known in his field in the Archean research domain. And this was also my first you know, so, sort of an entry to this field. So I would not want something to be done in a very, I don't know, maybe not in a very uh, modest way, but in a way that it's more genuine and people find this more authentic. So basically this paper also had a lot of science which had to be negated. So because in that area, that particular geological area, there were few papers published. So we had to how to say it in very good ways, like you had to negate those, you know, like going through the process of actually saying this was wrong, that has to be done. And this are the new research that we came up with our 
findings and discoveries. So this is what we think is the perspective from the area and whatever was published should be now <laughs> maybe re, re uh, investigated in a way. So there, there are a lot of, I think, so this, by this, I mean to say that with the oil industry, it was a lot much more easier and very well sorted because I think I knew that there was a, there were these colleagues of mine who will deal with that part and this part. Well, here also, but I think there is a lot of much more details and intricacies involved and also different people on board. So you are having a much more challenging and tough times when you also have to negate some previous work and then to get your work, you know, somehow into the limelight and people see what exactly you're talking about. So yeah, this was a lot more challenging, I would say, and is still more challenging because I'm writing some more papers where I'll have to negate more theories or old science. It's not like I want to do it for the fact that this has to be done, but then this is what is coming out of our research. So a lot more has to be said like, okay, this is this was said, but now with our research, we find it like this way is can also be said or these are the things that we have discovered from this area. So yeah. there's a lot more <laughs> science and many, many yeah details involved, I think. So there was a lot of shifting, I would say. Shifting of many, many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and since you've moved across from doing your PhD to now doing a postdoc and you've moved university in the process, has that been another big shift or do you feel that it's, now part of the system in academia and that these shifts are less extreme than moving from the oil industry into the academic space? Mm. I think I'm comfortable now with the academia and uh, I would be more happy to have more and more coming out of whatever research I've conducted over the past four, four and a half years with my PhD. And uh, I think the oil industry work was still manageable and I think I had very nice colleagues and they still are in contact and we still talk about our old work and some some of them they are very kind so they they have this previous work and they want to send a photograph of my name in the report so I, I really get those good uh, messages from them time to time what I like in in here in academia is that you you really get to know unknown people like you have uh, many scientists with whom you, you you would never have known before and of course those papers you really read the scientists they are big and they are huge in the domain like they are they have big names so you, you want to work with them and then sometime one day you have one of their emails saying like you your paper uh, can you just forward your paper and I'm like wow of course I mean so this is like a great opportunity for me if you're reading my paper I think academia and research is a lot more different right and then you have many unknown people but they are also and sometimes you also have young researchers following you and nowadays you have research kit and then you have more platforms scientific I think there is orchid so yeah I think there's a lot more openness to this and I, I really enjoy this so with the question that how my PhD transition to postdoc yeah so this is another new field that I've chosen so from geology I've now shifted again a little bit of a gear uh, towards uh, early life and in terms of evolutionary riddles to be solved with microbial life. So that's a kind of a challenge and I think I have very nice mentor Pierre and he is really interested in how to look at these things in a different perspective and we are also carrying a very fascinating project on 
astrobiological finding of this in different places across our known planetary bodies or some someplace else so yeah it's kind of a shift but i really like the shift i enjoy the shift and it's always like i keep on saying to myself that you have to move on from one thing to the other to to know a different thing and then to learn more from a new place and from new people and from a set of new experiments or from a new lab and then it keeps you more evolving i like it and i personally feel that's how i am and i really enjoy the challenge so well th- by saying that i did not cut ties with geology and i still have really a strong field of interest in geology and then i have many projects to catch up with the current project that i have but i think yes postdoc after phd is a massive transition and i'm i'm very excited for that transition this this transition in my face yes many papers to be written up <laughs> Absolutely and I'm so excited to see these papers. I just want to circle back to something that you said which I think is so profound which is the joy that we get when somebody asks for our paper. I think yeah. so many undergraduate students in particular but probably also postgraduates are so scared to write to a scientist and ask for a copy of their paper particularly if it's behind oh, yes. a paywall. You're so scared to write to this fancy professor so and so or doctor so and so. And actually on the receiving end we are always so excited that somebody wants yes. to read our work and and then when we get to the point where we get those emails from a, somebody who's a well-known name even better because now you know yes. that you've made it somebody wants to yes. read your work and and somebody that you've cited knows your work yes. and it really is yeah. such an amazing feeling but again it's the benefit of how open science is i know there are a lot yes. of debates about open access um, versus mm. work behind paywalls and of course related to that or the economic side of it and the fact that all of us are doing mm. reviews for free and writing for free but we're having to pay for papers but all of that yeah. notwithstanding i think It's just incredible to to think in the context of the work that you used to do in oil companies where it was much easier and quicker to write a piece but the only people reading it as you say were your colleagues and your friends and they'll send you a picture to say hey here's your piece but when we're writing scientific work it's going out to the whole world it can be yeah. found on google scholar anywhere mm-hmm. we've moved past the time where if you were interested in precambrian research you would go to the library and pick up that hard copy of the precambrian <laughs> research and you'd read whatever's in there that today we have access to to everything and unfortunately yes. some of it is still behind paywalls but compared to where we've come from the openness of mm. science is incredible and i think you've really hit the nail on the head there about why it makes it such an exciting place to work in because if you meet somebody at tea and they're working on dinosaurs you can pop upstairs and read some of the work they've mm. done over you know your mm. afternoon cup of coffee and really get excited about the place where you're working and the people you're engaging with and i think that's really wonderful yeah that's uh, i think that makes me more of a, a, a more of a person that i always feel that when you want to um, know something more then you always have to keep this learning curve and then it goes and then it rises so i always want to learn and experience more and uh, so like you mentioned that uh, asking for journals and then articles to different scientists and scientists uh, who are very well known in their field i've always had this experience very good experience actually like Nobody ever said no. I'm not giving you this paper. 
So everyone, everyone was like, yes, I mean, even if it's on ResearchGate or I asked them over Gmail or personal mail or their university mail IDs, like they're always happy to share their research. And this is something that I really, I mean, it's not only stick to sticking this to geology or biosciences or other fields, it's like different fields. And I've asked and I've approached many, many, many scientists in different areas. And all of them, they are very well recognized in their own field and distinguished. And yeah, they were all very kind, very professional. And they were like up within the next few minutes or maybe few hours, then you will have your paper in front of you. And okay, maybe not all the papers are accessible because of some university policies, maybe some journals are not accessible. But yes, if you really are interested and if you're really looking forward to learn from someone else's work, then I think you have very genuine scientists out there and you can shout and then they will respond. So I think that's the beauty I feel. And yeah, all in all, you have uh, many good people where you catch up with them, like you mentioned, over in a cup of tea in the department. If it's not the department, then you have conferences, international, national, and at the university level. So you have many places where you can go and meet and then you basically hang around with people to know more and learn more from them. So I think it's a very exciting and more, more adventurous in a way. And then you have many things to grab from many, 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 many places. And like now I'm involved in geology project and then something on more, more in terms of yeah, bio, biology, but it's very unique again. And then there's astrobiology. So there are so many different domains and many. So now there's another conference coming up. So I see there are astronomers, philosophers, bioscientists and chemists, and yeah, they are geologists. So you see like you have a whole world where you do science and you get to learn from so many people. So it's a very interesting fact about doing open science, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that in the future, people have more open access and it, it goes to a place where I feel like if you want to access any Precambrian research journals, maybe it's 1940s or 50s, you just have it like a scanned copy and then you can just get your own copy of it and then you can maybe distribute. I don't know. I mean, of course, maybe publication houses would not be happy with that, but I would I would be rather more happy to do that for my kind of a publication to be more open to more for young researchers or scientists who don't have access to these big journal houses or publication houses. That's yeah, I, I think is something. And it's really great to see a lot of different efforts that are being pursued towards that. I know that for some societies, they're looking at coming up with a reward system so that if you uh, do reviews for them, that you're going to clock up some rewards to be able to publish your paper open access. Or if you are engaged in the society as one of the members of their board, or you're involved in running their conferences, that you'll get certain rewards in that regard. And I think those kinds of things are so important because, of course, to publish open access is so much easier if you're sitting in Europe or in the USA where you've got a lot yes. of funding towards that. In the global south, of mm. course, it's far more difficult for us to publish open access in journals mm. that require an open access fee. I think you've really highlighted why that is so important for pushing science forward and making sure that we are having conversations and we're engaging as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, I feel just to think about, like you mentioned, that it's 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 okay for first world countries or maybe 
European universities or even universities based in the US to have open access and then they can pay for the fees related to publication with open access. For countries like where we are based in South Africa or even some African universities or even some Asian university, let's say it's in India, then you know you really struggle to pay the open access fees. And then I would I would think that maybe there are many people or many scientists who would want to read your paper. And if it was much better for them to have open access, I can tell you that after that publication got out, I, I had like 15 or maybe maybe around about 15 emails. And the reason why they asked, I think it was just because of the fact that they could not access precambian research. And maybe some universities, they ended up with their subscription or something happened. So they could not access because the paper was not open access. So yeah, there are all these things involved. And I, I personally, I feel it should be more, more open access to more people for the science community to be much, much more broader and more engaging in that way. Agreed. Well, yeah. I just wanted to say thank right. you to you for such a passionate engagement on science. I've really come out of this interview with such enthusiasm for science, for collaboration, for uh, enthusiastic inquiry about things. And to experience your world through the lens of somebody who's come from working in industry to a very active yes. choice to move across into academia and how you've taken on all of these challenges as opportunities is really so inspiring and so encouraging. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. It has been such a refreshing conversation to talk to somebody who is so passionate about all of the challenges of science and jumping into those headfirst. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was a pleasure. And uh, I'm very excited. I was very excited to give this podcast. This was my first, but I was also very happy to have this very uh, deep conversation on science and open access and my first publication. So it was a very great opportunity for me to be with you. So thank you so much for this and looking forward to meet you sometime soon. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revise, Rebut and Resubmit. Hopefully it's given you some insight into the process of academic writing and approaching that first academic paper. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to listen to more of this show, please subscribe to this podcast. A huge thanks again to the Centre of Excellence for Paleoscience for supporting this work.